Okay. Well, I'm a body language expert and analyst, and I train law enforcement in the military in interrogation and body language. And um, I, I'm, I'm fascinated with psychopaths. That's that's one of my favorite things to well, talk about. I think that's what we're going to talk. Okay, good because I thought that's what we we're going to talk about. So that's one of my favorite things to talk about and and discuss. So so how how did you get into how did you get into um, the body language expertise field? Because you don't hear a lot of people, you know, like when their kids say, "I want to grow up." When I grow up, I want to uh, be a professional um, uh, understander and a consultant uh, of body language. Uh, it's sort of it's kind of like a new thing, uh, especially in like the sociopath psychopath sector i mean there was really kind of like what was it the 60s 70s 80s when that sort of started developing in the intelligence community mm-hmm. yeah well i i started when i was actually i did start when i was little i i uh my dad's a doctor and he was the doctor in this little town in louisa kentucky and my mom and we lived right next it was so small that uh we lived right next door to the school and just a couple blocks down was the hospital which was this this big house. It was actually a couple of houses stuck together, I believe, if I, if I remember correctly. And my mom would, would get my little brother and he bring, she'd bring him to the school and get my sister. And I, we walked out of the hospital and had lunch with my dad. And then uh, one afternoon, or, you know, one lunchtime we were down there, I saw a couple of guys from my class in his office waiting to see him. And I and as we're sitting there eating, and I said, there, "There's uh, Robert Bellamy and and uh, Billy Elkins." And I said, "What are they, What are they doing in here?" My dad said, "Well, let's let's take a look." And he went, "Okay, well, uh, Robert has an earache, and he's been up all night with his mom. And Billy's not sick; he's pretending to be sick, you know, for whatever reason, skipping school, or whatever. But he, there's nothing wrong with him; he's just pretending like he's sick." And I said, well, how do you, as a six-year-old or seven-year-old, I said, well, how do you know that? And he said, well, let's take a look at Robert. So I said, okay. He said, now, see how Robert's sitting on that? He said, they were both on these little benches that were in his office. They're in the uh, waiting room. He said, see how, how Robert's leaned up against his mom and he's got his hand on his ear? And I said, yeah. He said, well, that, and that tells me that his ear hurts. And he wants to be next to his mom. He said, "Let's look at his mom." I said, "Okay." And he said, "See how her hair? Because we knew her. So see how her hair isn't isn't done. You know, you can tell she she hasn't yeah, had she time like to hell. do her hair. <laughs> yeah, she looks a little rough. You know, she's not wearing makeup, and she doesn't look the way we usually she usually looks." And I said, "Yeah." He said, "That tells me she's been up all night with him because his ear hurts." I said, "Oh, okay." He said, "Let's take a look at Billy." I said, "Okay." He said, "Now look at Billy's mom." And he said, see how her hair looks all pretty and it's all done. And she's got on makeup and she looks well rested and she's sitting up straight. And I said, yeah. So that tells me she got a good night's sleep. I said, okay. And he, I said, well, what about Robert? He said, well, you see how he's dangling his legs on that little bench? And I said, yeah. And he said, now see how he's going through that magazine? And I said, yeah. He said, see how his eyebrows are up? And he's looking at that magazine? And I said, yeah. That means he's awake and, and he's he feels fine. Now here's what's going to happen. In just a minute, he's going to get his, his mother's going to say something to him. And then she's going to pat him on the shoulder. And he's going to look up at her from the side and he's going to make a frowny face. And his eyebrows are going to come down. He's going to look at her from the side. And then he'll say something to her. And then they'll, they'll, they'll talk for just a second. And then he'll go back the way he was with a frowny face. Then not long after that, he'll start dangling his legs again. His eyebrows will go up. And he'll have that pleasant looking smile or, or look on his face, not a smile. And I said, okay. And that happened like within two minutes. And I thought, oh my God, my dad is magic. You know, what, what is, you know, what is this wizardry, you know, my, you know, and so I, I was fascinated from that, from that day, for that moment forward. I was like, how can he tell the future? How can he tell what's happened with that? And he started explaining things to me as I grew up, 
So he was seeing things from the, the um, healthcare aspect, you know, being a doctor. And uh, I, I, he always would bring me books and, you know, read things to me, read, tell me about studies and who was the person to read and stuff as I grew up. So that's, that's really the way I, I got into it. Then I found, you know, like Paul Ekman's books and started reading those. And, you, you know, uh, that the, the first body language books that came out, I always made sure I got those as a kid. And read, I still those early got all ones of them. Kind of bullshit, or were they legitimate? Uh, when we look back on them now, it wasn't that they were bullshit. They were just not didn't have all the information yet. You know, people were just now. They were, you know, the study of body language in for politics really started with the Kennedy Nixon election in in those um, well, when, the uh, t- when TV became debates part of the part of the uh, campaign yeah. strategy. Then yeah, the, you yeah. see how the news analysts. But you know, there was a lot of. You know, in World War II with the intelligence committee and stuff, there were psychological profiles of different, you know, leaders of major players and stuff like that, too. Yeah. So I could see how, but, you know, the intelligence committee would want to get into it pretty early. But if you watch those things where they start talking about UFOs and stuff, and they have that one, there's that classic of, I can't remember the general's name, when they, when UFOs like Area 50, what was it? What, was the UFO that crashed out in the desert? Roswell. Uh, Roswell. They start talking to this, this, uh, really high-ranking official and his body language is all over the road man you know he's worried he well about some they said of it was a, you know? they said it was a weather balloon right that was kind of the official narrative it was a communist yeah, weather balloon yeah. or i don't know yeah who knows but take a look at him and watch the way he acts and you'll say oh, something's not right here about about all this what is not right I, I don't know why he was acting all squirrely but he was definitely acting squirrely or look squirrely you know because he didn't know not to to do specific things to let you know that he may not be truthful, may not be being truthful. So, well, and maybe, uh, you know, when you're in that sort of position, as long as you say what you're supposed to say, you don't really give a damn if they believe you. That's true. <laughs> you know, that's true. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. you're sitting up there. It's like, yeah, you know, it was just, it was just a weather balloon. <laughs> yeah. That's what it looked like. That's what well, it looked like you were saying. What do you think about this whole UFO thing to me? Cause it seems like uh, if the UFO thing was legit, we would have, you know, amazing footage of it. And it's always grainy, terrible content. Like it seems more reasonable to me that what we're seeing are probably, you know, advanced military technology, either domestic or foreign. And that we're just picking it up and it's not like an alien, but it's us. I think a lot of it is that I think a lot of it is uh, governmental stuff. People are, people are seeing the same things. Now, on the other hand, people are seeing the same thing they've seen for years and years and years and years and years from back in the, you know, thirties and forties and fifties when they report those things. Those are the things that make me go, what the heck is that about? But, uh, it just, it just makes too much sense for us to be, for those things to be from here, be it American, Russian, you know, Chinese, whatever, where they're from to be drones or something that, that are really advanced. I mean, think about when, when the jet first happened, people could not believe that, you know, the, the Russians and the, and the, the Germans are like, well, something's up because they were doing the same type of thing. But when those first started, started showing up, they were loud. They were making, they were fast. There were no propellers and people couldn't figure out what was happening. Same kind of, it could be that same situation. We're seeing these, we don't know what they are. They're quiet. They're fast. <laughs> there are no jet engines on them. So mm-hmm. it could be just, it could be that. Who knows? You know, who knows? But yeah, I can't, I can't imagine. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> you can say what you want about him, man. <laughs> yeah. Nothing at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we did a thing on him on the behavior panel. Oh, you uh, did? did? Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we did tell, a whole Tell me whole a little show. bit about that. I want to make sure that we plug you. Oh, well, the, the behavior panel is, is 
there are four of us, three of us are interrogators, and, and one of us is a uh, is a body language expert, and that's that's uh, Mark Bowden and Chase Hughes and Greg Hartley, and we what we did was when when COVID hit, we'd been hang you know we've been hanging around going you know we had my buddy Greg who's my business partner, he said. He, oh, Mark Bowden the, is British. And he said, hey, mate, we should do a video. And I was like, oh, yeah, we should do a video. And then Chase Hughes said, hey, man, we should do a video. And I said, okay, great. So I, I was talking to Greg. And Greg's always wanted to do one of those. He, he wanted to do a YouTube thing where we just do one video and pick out these people who said they'd seen Bigfoot and UFOs and, and talk about those from an interrogator's perspective, from a body language perspective. And so Greg said, well, gather everybody up and we'll, we'll let's just record a show. We'll put it on our, all of our channels. So all four of us got together and we recorded it and uh, put it up on YouTube. And man, we got a lot of views from it. So he said, we should do this again. So we did another one. We said, we should start a channel. And we did another one. So now we get on some of them, we get millions of views. That's you know, awesome. we're averaging around 200,000 views each one or 300,000, something like that. But we get a whole lot of views. We've got 325,000 subscribers in less than, in, you know, a year and a half, which is pretty good, I think. From what I'm, so if I want to be on your show, all I have to do is lie about seeing a UFO? <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> You know, or, or, or lie about politics or something. We, yeah, we, we yeah. look at every, we look at everything from true crime to I've been picked up by a UFO to Bob Lazar to Any, you know. Now, you, has you there ever been it, an instance we, of somebody telling the truth that you yeah. thought going in was going to be totally full of shit? Like you're like, oh, this guy, and then you watch the language, you're like, whoa, like you know what I mean? Well, was there anything that surprised you that was that was being someone was being honest? Well, since we're talking about UFOs, there's a guy named Tom Reed, and he was on the Netflix. Uh, special on UFOs called the Berkshires UFO, and uh, so he's on there talking about oh how he saw UFO and all these things that happened. There was there was this woman on there as well. I can't remember her name. I think her last name is Green, and and she was saying oh here's what happened to me. And I watched that and I was like, I don't. I, this looks like they're telling the truth. I believed them. <laughs> so I called Greg. I said, hey man, I didn't say. I think I believe these people. She said, watch this uh, Netflix show. You might like it. Then he called up and said, I think I believe these. I think I think this guy's telling the truth. So is the woman. So we did a whole show on on the woman. And said how we believed um, what she said. You know, we broke down. All, and what we do is we don't just, we come from four different perspectives. So it's not just like saying, oh, this happened. So they're lying. None of that. You know, there are no absolutes when you scratch your nose or, or do one thing. It doesn't mean you're lying or telling the truth. It just happens to be something you're doing. So we, we that's the way we break them down. So after we did the one on uh, on the woman on I, I can't remember her name it's killing me, then we got I, we got an email from this guy Tom Reed he said hey I was on that show too you want to talk to me <laughs> and we were like yeah we'd love to talk to you he said I'll come on your show he said oh yeah I dare you so he came on and he and everything and we talked to him for I think we made it to two episodes and man wow. this guy I think he saw what he thinks he saw we all thought that. <laughs> Oh, we all didn't awesome. see anything at all that said any different. I just did a, a show with Eric Hunley, and there was and and we and Greg and I talked to a guy who says he's seen this big UFO. Then Eric Hunley has a great podcast. It's called Unstructured, and this guy's name's Rich. I believe his name's Rich, and he um, and his description of what he saw sounds really. He described what he saw the same way Tom described what he saw and the effects it had on him afterwards. Really similar. But we saw uh, Eric had interviewed this guy yesterday, 
And they said, hey, you guys want to talk to this guy? And we're like, yeah, we want to talk to this guy. So we watched this interview from yesterday and we got to get on today. And then Greg and I got to ask him some questions and we sort of, we didn't put him through the ring or anything, but his, his story was the same spot on each time from the emotional side of it to the, the um, technical side of it, to everything, his descriptions all were the very same. And it, it looks to me like that guy's telling the truth too. So well, there's something too going close on. To the same then it's then it comes off as rehearsed, right? So there's there's almost well, this like wasn't, a balance. Well, he's he's t this happened to him in 2016. So he's told the story okay. a lot, but there are yeah. there are things you can you can look for that let you know that that person is he would have embellished a lot more. And each time you tell that story, you'll add stuff to it. And his wife and his children were there too. And his wife was in the room with him. And she said, it's more like a triangle. He said, no one, and the way he described the differences in what they saw, he stayed with what he, he said. He didn't say, oh yeah, it was more like this. That doesn't mean he's lying or telling the truth. But that was just one of the little things we put over in the pile that says, okay, this guy's staying with the story. This seems mm -hmm. true. Everything, he, from a body language perspective anyway, he was, he was completely honest. I have no doubt this guy saw this, which makes me think it's not from outer space, but it's something uh, military. Right. He at least believes what he saw, right? The, he the did see it, yeah. That is, is different. Yeah, that's fascinating. Exactly. Whatever you interpret, but he doesn't think it was from, he doesn't know what it was, you know. I don't think he thinks, yeah. excuse me, it was from space or anything, but he doesn't need it. But then, but then again, he said, I don't know. And they both talked about how it changed their their perspective on life after after this experience. Tom's experience was a lot different than than this other experience, but they both looked spoke about it in, in the same sort of terms of how it was life changing. They don't see the world the same again because it was so different than anything they'd ever seen or experienced. That's when that's when you can hear when somebody goes down that road and they start explaining religion and all these other things why it makes you question things then you go hmm why would you even think about saying that you know and the expressions they're using when they're doing it let you know they're or suggest denote they're telling you the truth so everything this guy did and said looks spot on as well so so you're coming up you're about ready to graduate from high school what do you do who me yeah you Oh, oh, yeah! I went to uh, Transylvania University in Lexington, really? Kentucky. With Dracula. Yeah, yeah. They actually had a. They had <laughs> what did a. What you study though? A, did you study like a criminal justice or something like that? No, not at all. No, I, st I was into uh, did music there and uh, English, you know, That's literature. Right, Scott, I, I forgot that you had been an up producer at one point. I yeah. don't know if you still are. Yeah. And that's from there. My roommate there was a guy named Dickie Spears. And Dickie was telling me how great Berkeley College of Music was. He said, you ought to check out Berkeley. You'd have the best time. So to make a long story short, it was in Boston. And he was moving back there uh, when he graduated. He was a couple of years older than me. And he said, I'm going back. You ought to come with me. I was like, okay. So, you know, I talked to my parents about it. And they're like, you want to what? So I'm going to go to music school. This, you know, and it's make a long story short. My parents have always been very supportive of anything of my brother and sister and I ever wanted to do. They were, yeah, okay, if that's what you think you ought to do, we'll, we'll support you. And I ended up going to Berkeley, College of Music. And ended up, to make a long story short, I ended up being a record producer and a studio musician. A studio musician, then a record producer. What instrument? So, guitar and drums. No kidding. Yeah. Well, that's cool, man. What made you, uh, so how do you go from, how do you go from being like a studio musician and a producer to actually being involved with the intelligence community? <laughs> well, <laughs> you got to do them both at the same time, sort of. That's one of yeah. those where you don't, yeah, you don't pick one. You, I'd, I'd still going down that road of human behavior, which helped us a lot. 
in studio. in that business because we could tell who was who was being honest about signing an act we had. Are they just saying that to sign this act and get them out of the way to put their act to make sure it didn't mess with theirs, or were they um, being honest with us? Are they really want to help? So that those that skill set helped a lot, and I got really lucky from hanging out with the with the people that I fell in with. You know, uh, Michael Johnson, Marie Starr, uh, Eban Kelly, and Jimmy Randolph—they were—they all treated me so good, and they were—they were all um, really had the great producers and musicians. And I really got lucky there because they showed me everything: how you go about doing things, how you approach things, the business side of things, and it really helped me a lot. So it was like a uh, when I quit going to Berkeley, I was just—I was just doing sessions all the time, and I went to—I went to my. Uh, a guidance counselor said, Hey man, look, I'm, I'm trying to come to school. I'm trying to do this and that, but I'm, I'm doing a, this record over here. I've got sessions. These I'm trying to come to school. He said, don't come here anymore. You don't, you know, you don't, what are you doing? And I right. was like, what? And he said, you're doing what people go over here to go to school to learn how to do. You're already doing it, man. You don't need this. That was the great thing about Berkeley is there's musicians run that school. So yeah. it was, so he was like, so yeah, you, you don't feel bad about that. If you want to teach, that's one thing. But if you don't want to teach, you want to be a session guy or producer, dude, you're doing that already. Quit this. Don't do this. Go do that. That's what you want to do. Go do that. And I was like, I couldn't believe it. You know, that, 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 that so you, so the guy was out. that cool about it. Yeah. Yeah. And did you ever go back? Yeah. I've gone back. No, I didn't get back and go back to school, but I've gone back and given talks and things like that. That's awesome. I, I have seems like all the smart people drop out. I wish I was a lot like, of them, you know, a lot of them do. I wish that I had made something so cool when I was in college that I couldn't finish. <laughs> oh, well, well, no, but I just, hey, my, makes sense. I, I felt like I always got kicked out because it was like, dude, don't come back here. I was like, what are you yeah. talking about? You so know, my parents and my the, dad. Do you remember the first time that you were hired to interview a, a suspect and what that was like? Do you remember like your first one? It was somebody that stole that had stolen money, and they thought it stolen money from. Uh, I I can't tell you the place where it was because, you know, you can't sure. tell. But the, the someone was in, was was there was a question about where this person has been taking money from this company, and they said, "Will you talk to this person?" I said, "You bet I will." So I went and talked to him, and I, that's when I I really started getting into the interrogation side of it about the time I got to Berkeley. Well, when people you hear know, the, started, the word interrogation, they think like waterboarding. That's not oh, really yeah. what it is. No, no, <laughs> right? no, 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 that's a whole other scene. Right. No, and it's none, of that, it's none of that stuff where they're pounding on the table. Where's the girl? Where's the kid? You know, yeah. nobody does that. Because right. like that person, has, your, your approach to that has to be something where that person wants to stay there with you. Because all they have to say is four words. I want my lawyer. Boom. And they're gone. And you got to leave. And that's, mm-hmm. you got to do that. So what you got to you make get interrogated it, then. Oh, what you got to say before you get interrogated is I want to see, I want to talk to a lawyer. If you ever get arrested, I don't care what happened. You get a lawyer, you know, right. don't talk to an interrogator because they want to, they'll, because even if you didn't do it, it's still going to be a hassle. You know, it's still going to be, they'll be asking you questions that may get a little ugly. If you didn't do it, if that interrogator is good, then you'll be okay. But if you did do it, they're going to find out most likely. So I can get you so, to say so that. So you walk in and you walk in and sit down with this guy. Like, how does it go? This first guy that you, that you. Oh, the with? first guy. Well, it's, yeah, it's yeah. classic. It's called the read technique. And one of the first things they teach you in that technique is uh, one, there's the read technique is its own thing. And you can, and I look at that technique as almost like a muscle car where you can 
for example, there, there are these certain steps you take and there's a protocol you follow. But for each one of these steps in the protocol, if it were a car, you could have the kind of wheels you wanted on it and you could paint flames on the side of it and, and make the windows dark and you could, you know, goose it up real big or you can make it really low a low rider make it really cool whatever you want to do so you you build different types of interrogations out of that that's the way i see that so when i'm training interrogators that's the one i i, I start with that as the concept as you you sort of for each person you're dealing with you got to decide which way you're going you're going to come in in a loud old mustang with all the souped up and all the stuff on it or like a low rider that does that bounce and stuff or are you just going to do, are you just going to be in, in, you know, like a, a, you know, a Ford Escort? Are you going to be in a, you know, an old car, a hoopty? Are you going to be in something really cool? It just depends on what you're doing. So it, it depends. That's your approach that you take. You, once you start talking to them, you decide we're going to go with it. But the first thing you do when you walk in is you tell them, you know, what happened. And you, you, in other words, you confront them with, and usually, like now, I know to have a big folder. And a so you sit thought. down and you say, hey, look, we know that you were here on the night of... I don't say we. I say, these people know you did this. And there's no question that you did this. Because it's all in here. You know, this big thing I just thought, threw down on the table. Yeah. It's all in there. And they know you is did ever, it. Is, and there, there, I, is there everything in there? Is there ever anything in the folder? No, there's nothing in there. <laughs> no, it, it, it'll have their name on it. Do they ever know, go, look, can I see what's... Can I see that? <laughs> No, they don't ever want to see it. But it has their name on it. They can they can look at it and see their name on it and stuff. You might have a DVD that's supposed to be a you know a video stuff, depending on what's happened. Yeah. But then yeah. you you say there's no question what what's happening here. And I can say I'm not look I'm not a cop. I don't yeah you know, I can't arrest you or anything. And here's the golden thing. I'm just here to find out why you did this and what happened why you did this and what happened. So I can say why you did this or what happened. So at that point, they're going to say one of two things. They're, it's going to go down two roads. They're going to say this when you say that, because once you say, there's no doubt that you did this. If these they're guilty, they're going to say one or two things or no matter if they're guilty, they're going to say one no, or two things. Either way, guilty or innocent, okay. they're going to say one of two things. Okay. And so once you put that down, you say, this is, um, there's no doubt. And these people, that these people know you've done this. You know, there's no doubt about it. So that's why I'm here is to find out, is to, to talk to you about this, to find out why you did it, find out what happened. And then I shut up and they'll say this. If the person goes, well, I don't know what you're talking about. That I didn't do that. I have no idea. I wasn't nowhere near that. I didn't have anything to do with it. That's not the kind of thing that I would do. If they're really calm and, 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 you know, just trying to explain things and they're, they're looking at you the whole time. And once you shut up, there's that little space where they're trying to, where they're getting to, what they're getting ready to say together and then they go with it. Now that's usually the person who, who you want to talk to really bad. The other, the other way it would go is, is you say, so we, I know they, we know, they know you did this. There's no question about that. They know you did. And I tap that thing. They know you did this and I'm not a cop or anything. I'm, I'm just here to find out why you know why you did this why what happened it's, you're not going to get happened out for the go well i didn't do anything man i don't care what they say it wasn't me i know who did it i didn't have anything to do with it. i was here and it, it'd be hard to shut them up sometimes they get really mad they get pissed so that's what lets you know now if they keep that sometimes the person who did do it will try that and they'll get all they'll be all pissed off but they'll calm down fairly soon because they don't know what you know because they've got that little that little thing you just threw down the table sitting there. 
they don't know if you know you know more than what they're telling what they're telling you or not you know if you if they can fuss with that so they'll get all upset then they'll they'll calm down and start listening the other person will give they don't need to listen they don't care because it wasn't them so those are the tough ones to get through but you have to go through the protocol to make sure it's nobody who's heard somebody like me talking and can get through that and there's specific ways to get around that which i can't tell you the details of that but there are ways to do that so that's what you do you know there's a lot of controversy in our criminal justice system for a number of reasons and i think you know just especially recently with in the internet age and all the documentaries that come out and you know there's shows like false confessions and crazy Mm -hmm. stuff that makes kind of people really second guess the justice system right and you know, one of the things that I'm interested in is, you know, prosecutors are incredibly aggressive in the United States and it's highly competitive and it's very wind driven on the prosecution side. Right. Mm. How as as an interrogator, how do you. You know, I imagine that a lot of the people that you deal with are some of the worst people in the world. Mm. And after you after you talk to 90 guilty psychos. How do you walk into a room with an unbiased stance for the one innocent guy? <laughs> you know, like, because like, you hear about cops that are like, oh, like the cops get like, you know, they become more racist, you know, the more years go on because they've been, you know, monitoring the same neighborhood with the same ethnicity for decades or whatever. So, like, mm-hmm. how do you keep yourself from walking in and just automatically thinking this is just another one of the worst people in the world? because that's where that's where your fascination with body language and behavior should come in because mm-hmm. if you've if you've had 90 in a row you're waiting for that one you're you're looking for that one who is you're always looking to make sure the person they whether they're innocent or not you want to make sure they're not guilty that's a, that that's a, you want to make sure that the person you're talking to but once you go down that road and you start flipping over the rocks and they keep doing all the things that the the person who's guilty does and should do in defending themselves when their limbic system fires off and they start doing that, then you go, okay, but you can still have to go further and keep just to make sure that person is, is guilty or innocent, you know? So you, you have to be, you have to be fascinated with the way these people act with the way, not these people, but humans act because you're looking for all these different, there's so many things to look for and so many approaches to take and so many things to say, to get, to get reactions from, from people. So, that's that's where that kicks in is where you where you just have to be fascinated with people and how they act and behavior that you that you've seen will come into play because okay i've seen this before and for example there's a guy named joe navarro and he tells a story about a woman he was talking to and he was in the he was a he's an ex-fbi agent and he's like the king kong of body language and and he's he's got a book called uh, what everybody is saying great book if you don't have any body language work get that one or you can get mine, but I'm just kidding. Yeah, you um, can blog it, bro. Don't be ashamed. Yeah, I know. We'll do that in a minute. But anyway, so Joe's book is, is a great book. If you're going to start, that's a place to start. And he tells a story of where this, he was talking to this woman about something. She was, and couldn't tell if she was, um, it was sort of on the fence with her, you know, he's like, felt like she was okay. And then all of a sudden uh, he said something and she started rubbing her hands on her pants, started getting all, all, edgy and wicking. He's like, oh, okay, here we go. You know, something's, this has gone sideways on me here. I've done this wrong because she starts getting a little bit, you know, and these are called adapters, little things you do to, to get rid of that built up stress and tension. People rub on their hands, they'll chew on their mouth. They'll push on their face. That's called facial denting or facial distortion. And they'll start doing those things, pull on their, their face or their arms. 
and they're trying to get rid of that built up stress or tension. And this woman started doing five or six of those things at once. And he says, you look a little bit nervous. There's something wrong. Thinking that she would say, oh, you know, no. And I, but she said, yeah, I, I parked out front and I only had four quarters and I've been over in here over an hour. Are they going to give me a ticket? I've got to go down and put more quarters in. He's like, oh, okay, great. Ends up she didn't do it, what they thought she'd done. But she was just worried about So the, what he was, what you would see in that situation as things that tell you they're guilty, they got something completely different on their mind. She's worried about getting a ticket out front because that's where she parked. So she, you're seeing stress and you're seeing all the things that tell you this person is uncomfortable and they don't like this situation because she's thinking about going down and putting in quarters. Not, did I do this or not? She's thinking about that too, but she's been saying, no, I didn't do it. But that became important to her. So that's why I started seeing all those adapters and things that told them something was wrong. So you have to be, you have to, you have to be aware of, you have to take everything that's happening, put everything into context with what's going on and ask those questions, you know, find out about them. You know a lot about them before you go in. But you want to know, you know, what's happening and pay attention to what's happening in that scenario you've, you've created right there with that person. So it's your fascination with human behavior that, that'll make sure you stay on the right road. That makes sense. Um, one thing I did want to ask you about is, you know, you hear of studies and I don't know, reporting that a lot of political leaders and a lot of CEOs are sort of disproportionately represented by like the sociopath class. Um, mm -hmm. compared to, you know, just the gen pop, right? There's, there's an increased likelihood that a CEO might be a soci have sociopathic tendencies or, and, and mm -hmm. I, my understanding is that the difference between a sociopath and a psychopath is a sociopath has no conscience, but maybe a psychopath is actually compelled to do something violent, right? Is, is that, is that a good sort of layman's assessment? No, no I'll, I'll okay. put this to rest for okay. it. The sociopath psychopath thing. Okay. Yeah, there are no you. sociopaths. There are no okay. sociopaths, no such thing. What ha what happened was the term psychopath started being used in court so much that they wanted to soften it, start calling it a sociopath. And they said sociopath isn't as bad as a psychopath, right? A what's known as a sociopath is just a hardcore criminal. They get killed early. They get in prison early. They'll kill somebody early. They're just violent people. You know, and you have those. And you have, okay, let's, let's, here we go. Let's, let's jump in. So when you're dealing with psychopath, you're dealing somewhat with someone who there's the amygdala, which is part of the limbic system. And the amygdala is the, is the part of the brain that lets you empathize with people, not just not just sympathize, but say, I know how that must feel for, for someone to kick a dog or for, or for that little child to have its finger broken. Oh, that's horrible. Or it burns. Oh, geez, man. But they can't do that. The brain doesn't allow them to do that. They really don't have any psychopath. A psychopath. There's that argument because there are no sociopaths. <laughs> yeah, there's no, there are no sociopaths. Okay. So, um, but the, but I'm I'm going to show you why. What another thing people are calling sociopaths? What they think sociopaths are, but there are, but they've just labeled that. Just coming to the 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 psychopath um, zeitgeist that was came in sociopath to soften the psychopath sound of it in court. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, you have. So since the amygdala, it does all that in a psychopath, we know the, the amygdalas are either missing, they're damaged, or they just don't work correctly. And you can tell an fMRI machine when you put somebody in there and, and you can see that the brain isn't functioning correctly. And that's where it goes to, to make a long story short, it's a lot more to it than that, but it's horrifically boring. And, but that's in a nutshell what it is. So the psychopath there's really nobody in there. And I call them, when I refer to, if we're talking about a psychopath, I call it it. I don't say it's, I don't so say, oh, she did this. There's nobody in there, man. Blood and meat. 
Wow. Yeah. And I don't say, well, she thought this. I say, it thinks this, or it, then it would do this. That's the way I approach them because I don't, I don't like them. And I think they, that's what they are. Just, there's nobody in there, <clears throat> just a body running around. They couldn't, they could not possibly care less if you uh, lit your hair on fire or stuck a pin in your eye while they're watching. It wouldn't bother them the least. They wouldn't have any feeling about it. They, they might laugh and think, wow, that's crazy. But they, right. I've never but seen that before. Some of them actually get a tremendous amount of gratification from causing that harm or sexual gratification from the extreme violence. Like if you think of the Bundys, right? So like if there's no, if there's no emotional response to something like that, then why is there the compulsion to um, make, to, to catalyze that, to make that happen? Because they don't feel anything. And the only thing they get feelings from is, is, is adrenaline rushes, is an adrenaline rush. So that's why you find a lot of them are, are soldiers. And, but, but keep in mind, not all psychopaths are bad. That right. Some don't even know they are. Most of them don't know they are. But thank God we have some psychopaths that are soldiers because they get a lot done for us. They're on our side, you know. But there's, but back to it. There, there are no, there are, but there are psychopaths who, again who don't know who they are or don't know what they are. They don't understand that yet. But we'll talk about that in a minute. I'll tell you how they usually find out. So, as you deal with. Um, the psychopath, and they have no feelings for anybody else. You have, for example, let's say in um, uh, Iran or Iraq, when you, when you have um, um, what's a, what's a, um, the Taliban or somebody like that, somebody's going out a group, yeah. Al Qaeda, perfect ISIS. Yeah. Let's ISIS, perfect example. Those people grow up; those guys grow up and seeing their dad stomp little babies to death. They see their mom being beaten up every day, not just slapped, right. but beaten up bad, sometimes killed. They see their sisters being killed because they did something that they didn't think they should do. They see all this violence. And from a, an emotional standpoint, they don't get, they're, they're not raised with those emotions uh, tended to. They don't, nobody says, don't kick that little dog. You don't know that hurts or don't mean right. mean to that kid. You, that might hurt him or her. You know, you, you, they have feelings. That, nobody nurtures that in them. So the, seeing all the violence and stuff they see, and their their dad sometimes will have little kids shoot people. You know, they're going to kill somebody, have their child shoot somebody. And so that would be the the what people would think is a sociopath because those feelings aren't really nurtured in their form. They have a lot of the same traits as a psychopath, this person. But there there's that difference between the nature and nurture. So you would call this, what you would think would be the sociopath would be the person who is who would be raised uh, they have their brain functions normally, but their emotions were never nurtured. So they don't, they're not used to that. Don't know what it is and don't ever experience those feelings because they're never brought out. They will a little bit as they get older, they'll, they'll, they'll understand something's not quite right there and they'll, they'll feel something, but, but they'll think logically, I shouldn't feel that. So whereas the psychopath feels none of that, they have no problem whatsoever with any of that never comes up. But if you're raised in that situation where your father is an alcoholic and beat your mom up and you see violence, he beats you up all the time, those types of things, then you'll see that that violent behavior uh, come from that child, you know, raise up when it's raised to be a, a really violent person. So and whereas the psychopath may be calm their whole life, they may not be violent their whole life. When they're little, usually they'll kill animals and they'll, they'll light them on fire, they'll torture them and and do some horrible stuff. They'll get into drugs early. They'll have a lot of relationships. You know, they're very promiscuous. They'll do a, a lot of those things because that's the only thing that makes them feel something at all is the adrenaline rush. And is, but sometimes they don't do that at all because they're surrounded by people who love them and they don't, they, they're just not familiar with violence. For example, if, uh, 
and I use this example a lot, if you were a psychopath, you may not know it until your early 20s. You may not realize there's something different about you. And you find out like this down on Second Avenue here in Nashville. You probably live somewhere. Not that people that live it on uh, or on Second Avenue are psychopaths or anything. I'm just saying, if you were one and you were from a small town, you'd move to the city. There, there are not a lot of psychopaths in small towns because they don't they want to be where the action is, where the things going on. So they would probably live down somewhere like on Second Avenue in a loft or something. There's a lot of action going on, and it'd be the weekend, and it would be let's say. Um, Friday, Friday night, and then they go, you know what? They're watching TV. Say, I think I'm going to have Chinese for supper. That's what I'm going to do for dinner. That's what I'm going to do. Go get Chinese. And they walk downstairs, and they go down 2nd Avenue. It's a crowd, a lot of people. And they look down at the end of 2nd Avenue. There's a bunch of police cars and ambulance, and a bunch of people gather around, and they get closer, and they know something important's going on. Yeah, it's something important. As they get up there, they see this little child that's been run over. It's a gruesome scene. And the mother is over the little child crying and, and, you know, trying to pull the mom off the kid because obviously the child's dead. And you, as a psychopath, you look at that and you go, sweet and sour shrimp. It's going to be sweet and sour shrimp. That's what I'm going to do. Sweet and, sour. and then you'll go get sweet and sour shrimp. And then you'll just pass that on the way home uh, after you get the sweet and sour shrimp like it's nothing. Then you go home and you'll eat it. About an hour, an hour and a half later, you'll find yourself in the, that psychopath in the bathroom imitating the faces it saw, the expressions it saw in that woman's face over the little child because it doesn't understand what it saw. What it's, it's like, so the psychopath what it, is more, it, you, it's common for psychopaths, even if they're, regardless of whether or not they are planning to con anyone or planning to be a serial murderer, it's common for them to, 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 to practice in the mirror? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's very really? common. Yeah, and they'll practice for what you say. There's, for example, uh, so anyway, that's what they'll, they'll, they'll practice those emotions because they'll know they have to have those to fit in with, with the group to get what they want from the, and the group being all the human. Um, okay, well, shoot, I was going somewhere. I had to end on that. What was your, or did you, what did you just say about I'm sorry, that? I was, just, I, I was just asking if all psychopaths practice facial expressions or if that was oh, just something. Okay, that I got a story with that as well. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a guy that, that I knew here in town in Nashville and he, yeah. And he, uh, to make a long story short, he um, he ended up being a psychopath, but I didn't I didn't know it at, at the beginning. But I knew this guy fairly well, you know. I thought, and one time we were talking about taxes. There were four or five of us standing at, at, at a party or something. This guy said, and I said, you know, damn it, taxes! I can't believe we have to pay this much. And I went on this little sort of a rant about taxes, and and I would say specific cuss words in a specific order, so it would create pictures in your head, and. Uh, you know, okay, great. So then about six months later, I'm down at the Palm, down there on 4th, right? Me and, and, I'm, and I'm meeting with somebody and we're eating. And I'm in those booths right there in the bar, you know, where the, the booths are right there. And I hear somebody behind me saying the exact same thing I said six months earlier. As one, and I knew it because it was my, my go-to phrases I used when I was talking about taxes. And this guy was saying the same thing with the same vigor, the same verb, the same punches on each thing I had said. He was copying what I said. And I said, I recognize that voice. And I looked around, and there was this guy. And I said, this is not good. His wife was pregnant. And so I said, hey, man, what's going on? We, we talked for a minute because I said, I got to check this out. You know, so I was being nicer. What's going on? So where's your, your wife? I won't say her name. And he said, oh, she's, oh, she's in the hospital. She's trying not to have those babies because she, she was going to have twins. And I said, what? I said, yeah, she's in the hospital. They're trying not to have the babies. And I, and I said, 
why aren't you there? She's going to be fine. It'll be fine. I'm going after this. I'm going. His wife is in the hospital trying not to go into labor to have their twins. And it's going to be, it's going to be a bad scene. And he's out having supper, getting and bitching about taxes, you know? So I was like, Oh my gosh, I, it wasn't, it wasn't a late supper. It was early in the day. It might've been three 30, you know, maybe the late lunch. And I was really, I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, Oh my God. And then I knew what was up with this cat. So not long after that, um, we ended up, um, uh, ended up talking to his wife and I said a couple of things and she broke down and said, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't, and told me, Hey, he tried to kill me. He tried to do this. He held the babies over the, the balcony of the back porch. And I was like, yeah, yeah, here we go. Now this guy come to find out the history of this guy, he lived in Florida and had been married a couple of times before. She didn't know about that. He'd beat these women up and then he'd, he'd they'll, he'll leave them. Then come here. Classic psychopath. Um, trail that he's leaving now he's in canada community because they ruin their reputation do what they always have to go to a new community because they ruin their their rep yeah yeah so he's in canada right now telling everybody he was into fish that he was a fisherman he's working at a fish place he's telling that he wanted that he was nominated for a grammy a grammy i got nominated for he's telling that he got nominated for it and he didn't and if you're watching this I can't wait to see it because when you come back to the U.S., pal, you're going right into pokey. And I'm going <laughs> to help put you there. I can't wait because you'll be back. You'll be back. You'll think everything's okay, but I've got an eye on you. So just in case, because I know he watches some of these and he's heard me talk about this. I'll tell you who it is. You won't know him, but I'll tell you his name. So if anything ever happens, you'll know exactly who I was talking about. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So we're waiting on him down here. Show back up down here because he's going right to jail. So... Anyway, I get too fired up about that one. No, so anyway, that's a, that's a the, fascinating story. But, you know, I think I've done that. Maybe I'm a psychopath, but I, I think that I have not the wife beating, uh, <laughs> fleeing different communities part. But I've, I've told stories that other people have told in the exact same way. If they, you know, if they got a response. Yeah, you know? but, you, but you have expressions. You're not, believe me, I would have known by now, dude. You know, it's not <laughs> like I'm meeting you for the first time. We're doing a podcast thing on here. Yeah, I would. Yeah, we would. I wouldn't be doing this with you. Well, most, most of my had, exes think I am. So <laughs> let them think that, you know, they're wrong. Um, no, yeah, I don't worry about that. And the, well, and I figured the, if I was a psychopath, I wouldn't care. And the fact that I really don't want to be is probably boom. that I'm not right. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So. so so the originally what I was getting into was you know that there's a disproportionate there's rumored or whatever that there's a, there's a sense that there's a disproportionate number of psychopaths represented in like the CEO and political class. Have you found that to be kind of to be true? Like for example, would you say that Steve Jobs was a, was a, a psychopath? Yeah, you know, I don't know. I never talked to him. But what you deal with a lot of times is a narcissist and a malignant narcissist, and that's the one people think is a psychopath is the malignant narcissist, which also would be a lot of people think is a sociopath. Sometimes they're violent, sometimes they're not. But most of the time, a malignant narcissist will be violent. Um, there's a lot so of books you, you can read. A, do you have to be a psychopath in order to be a narcissist? Well, oddly, well, not oddly enough, but all narcissists are not psychopaths, but all psychopaths are narcissists. So if you can get that, happening so that's why people have a, a, a problem they'll say somebody who's a malignant narcissist or a clinical narcissist they'll say oh that's a, he's a psychopath or a sociopath i know he is when they're not they're just a, they're a hardcore clinical narcissist and i know Something a couple more. of them that are that are ceos and that's the way they they run their business and it's not that i don't get along with them you know i try my best but 
that's that's what they are you so know what's wrong with being a narcissist um well you you it's a great question because i'm asking it, from like an so, Iran perspective like aren't we supposed to like be self-involved and like want the best for ourselves and to become the best version of ourselves and you know endeavor to be but not if it takes it but not if it takes advantage of or hurts other people right you know right. which is what they do they'll try they take advantage of that person and sometimes they're just mean and they'll be mean to people for no reason so as long as you're being nice to people and being a good person, yeah, be self-involved, be all that. But pay attention to what's going on around you. Read the room and read the people around you and make sure everything, you're not hurting anybody or hurting anybody. My mom always said, uh, make sure nobody gets hurt and make sure nobody's feelings get hurt. I think it was actually make sure nobody's feelings get hurt and then make sure nobody gets hurt and then clean up whatever it is you've done. Clean it up you know, if, if there's a mess. So, yeah, but sometimes it, it's bad being a narcissist because it it is all about you and it 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 takes away from other people they'll lose their jobs because of you or you'll fire them you'll knock people out of the way um there's a, a narcissist you and i are both familiar with it's the head of a company here in town who is um who who does that who who and he would never even think he's one say so people say i'm a narcissist and he thinks it's cool but he doesn't really realize it's he's a bad person you know a really bad person I'll tell you who that is later. I think you probably know who we're talking about, but um, I can't give you more details than that because he'll know. He'll know I'm talking specifically about him. But um, yeah, so being a narcissist, narcissist is not good for anybody but the narcissist. Okay. So that's really interesting. So um, I don't want to talk about politics on this show. So you don't have to answer this question if you don't want. But is it possible to become the president of the United States ever throughout history from 1776? all the way to, to today without some level of um, psychopathy or narcissism? I, th I think to want that job, something's got to be wrong with you. And to want that much much attention and to wield that much power and to want to wield that much power, it doesn't mean they're all, you know, any of them are psychopaths or anything, but there's going to be some narcissism, I would think, in, in all of them. And if you look at their behavior, if you watch them on TV, from you know, in, in the TV we have all the way up to when we first started having TV and 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 presidents, and you read books about them, how they were, and things like that, you'll see there's at least a little bit of that in there. Most of them, which is normal, because you're not living a normal life once you're president of the United States, most powerful dude in the whole world, or woman in the whole world. It's man, it can you know, I can I can play tricks in your on your head, you know. What but usually it's the, the covert narcissist that would do the best in that in that situation. What percentage of the population is a psychopath? Well, there's a guy named Robert Hare. He's the Elvis Presley of psychopathy. He's the one that came up with the psychopath test as we know it. And um, like he, he questions says, or whatever that you can answer and it puts you on a scale. 40 questions. But yeah, so you can find, so it gives you a pretty good idea where that person is, is a psychopath or not, which is something that, that I use all the time. I don't go, you can't go down. Like, for example, you need to find out if someone is, is, um, um, are they glib? You can't say, Hey man, are you glib? You can't ask the question. There's a certain way you ask questions to get sure. to find out these answers. But so Robert Hare, who's, and if you, there's, he's got a book called without conscience. Great book. If you, if you're into psychopaths or psychopathy, check that out. That explains a lot. And you'll get, you'll get so much more from that. And you'll get from me without conscience. Great book. He he says it's probably the average is probably about one percent of the people in in America are psychopaths, which makes common sense. Among men, 
Um, I, I don't know. I know we sure see a lot of men, but we sure see a lot of women too. Well, maybe men know? are more likely to commit crimes than women for some, from some for some reason. Good too. Could so be. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Wow. So that means that a lot of us know a lot of psychopaths. You probably know a few of them, but they may not know they are. You know. Right. So what's they the may not be violent. One? I, who I don't know. I got the sweetest little thing in the whole wide world. I got lucky. I'm not talking you know? about your wife. But just be generally. Can you? Can you? Can you oh, have a psychopath? I thought you were trying to be funny. I was like, how's it? Am I going to make him laugh <laughs> no, about this? I can't because because <laughs> I got man. The first one didn't work out, but the second one scored yeah. big. Yeah, to do a little practice run. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so, so is it possible for a psychopath to you know live a long and happy married life and raise a family in a healthy way? Um, you know, I wouldn't think so because that the wife would have to put up with a lot. Because what happens usually is the psych a woman will meet a man, and they'll think, and it could happen to men too when they meet a guy or they meet somebody in business, and they'll think. Wow, this person, I get along great. I can't believe there. It's, it's almost like you've met a kindred spirit. You're like, oh my gosh, this is wonderful. They get me and they'll be like, hey man, I get what you're doing. I see it. This is fantastic. You're awesome. You know, you got this figured out. You know exactly what you're doing. You look good. You look good doing it. You got it figured out. You're going to admit you, this is going to happen, man. This is happening. And you get, they, they make you, they bomb you with all these compliments and get your, you know, get all the chemicals in your brain that are supposed to be happening. They get those up and happening. And then, uh, the next thing you know, when the if it's for the woman, they get married in about you know eight months, a year into it, then they find out they've married a psychopath because that mask drops is what you call it, and they start beating them up, they start treating them bad, they start cheating on them, they start doing all these things that is not that person to their wife, you know, and the, and the wife, the women can do that too to husbands, but that's that's when you go, oh no, but by that time, what that what that Let's just take women, for example. It's the easiest one to do. As they'll have told all their friends and family, this guy's wonderful. He's the most wonderful thing I've ever seen in my life. He's so good to me. All he does is he brings me flowers all the time. You saw him when we were dating. Geez, he, he took great care of me. He loves me. He, t- he does everything for me. You know, does he's fantastic. She's told all of her friends how wonderful this guy is. So it's hard, and her family. So it's hard to go back and say, wait a minute. This guy isn't what I thought he was. So you're sort of trapped in that. Uh, of of having to say I made a mistake and this guy's horrible and I didn't know. Plus the fact when you deal with a narcissist or narcissist or a psychopath, the way they control a lot, a lot of situations is, with people is they'll they'll in other words they'll love bone they'll 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 give a lot of of um, affection and say nice things about him. You have um, things popping off in your brain going, yeah, this is awesome. This is this is great. And those little chemicals that pop out in your brain, you get used to that and you like it. Then they cut that supply off, but then you start chasing that. You want to do things to please that person, so they give you some more of that. So that's the that's one of the ways they do it. So you keep following them as they keep going away. It's almost like fishing. You reach up and get them to give you some of that. And oh, this is great. Okay, and then they scoot along, and you go up to get some more of it. So it's almost like you're addicted to that feeling right. that they give you. We well, see a lot of that with like um, uh, historical like cult leaders and stuff too, like with uh, like the Jim Joneses and the Charles Mansons and. You can kind of think throughout history of those people who, you know, rather than, especially if they have like extraordinary intelligence associated with psychopathy, because you could be a psychopath and total dumbass too. But if you're a psychopath, if you're a psychopath and you're, you know, super smart, you might not settle for just winning one or two people over. You might like to win a hundred people over, right? 
Yeah. And it, yeah. you see that kind of happen, um, it, you know, in these famous cases that, that get pulled up. So I think that's really interesting. Um, have you yeah. followed, like, did you follow, like, any of the um, um, uh, Nexium stuff or anything like that? Like, have, have, you, have you ever seen an instance where, like, somebody who's very controversial, like, you just, you're convinced that they're not a psychopath and that this is just bullshit? Or is it pretty much, like, every time this, this kind of thing happens... They, well, you, they got this, a really bad guy, you know. Some these days, you never know what's happening because somebody will say something wrong, and then oh, that person's a this, and they're a that, and it's and there's and everybody right. accepts it. Okay, whatever. So you just never these days, you just can't tell, you know, mm-hmm. from from what everybody says. So I don't know who's getting pinned as something, and they really are, and who's getting pinned as something they really aren't. It's so hard to tell because just one slip of of a of a word or a phrase or something, and it's just like you're 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 they you know you get canceled and it's like you gotta be kidding me so there's no that whole scene right now so wacko to be able to tell who's really doing what out in the world and and who's really a this or who's really that who knows you know so i I don't know are there any uh historical examples of people that have been pinned that you just you're not confident are, are actually the evil person that they were May not to be. And I don't mean to put you on the spot. I'm just. Oh, no, no, no. I'm trying to. Th- I'm trying. I'm trying to think of something. I'm trying to Even think if of. Even it was like of, from the '90s or something, man. It doesn't have to be like a, a contemporary one. Like I know that you talked a little bit about that woman who um, ran the uh, the healthcare company that did the fake blood tests. Oh, Theranos. Yeah, she's, yeah. She's yeah. Theranos. She's nuts. Yeah, yeah. That's a psychopath. That's what she is. <laughs> it, it did not care. No, seriously. There's nobody I in know. there. She didn't care. She didn't care if people died. With, she said, "Oh, this this blood test will tell you this and that." She didn't care if people no, died. She didn't well, care about anything. Even as a layman, though, you could tell. You know, like, even as a layman, you just look at it. You are like, "There is something wrong with that chick." Yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of that was affect. A lot of stuff yeah. she she would put on, but at the same time, when she knew that people were coming, were getting that stuff to make sure they were okay and didn't have anything wrong with them, she she yeah, knew that she wasn't that it wasn't yeah. So yeah, so that's that's. That's not good. It's not just a mistake, and I shouldn't have been that way. No, you you yeah. you don't do that. You talk about a little child, or or, or she's not um, even put away woman. yet. No, she will be. You think so? Yeah, good. yeah. Good. That's the evil man. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope they ca- I, I hope that they catch the evil ones because, and we don't have to go down this route if you if if you if you're not comfortable either. But it's it's you know it's there's a lot going on in terms of confusion in society today and it's yeah. i think people are becoming less trusting of like the intelligence community and just sort of establishments on both sides of the mm-hmm. political spectrum and um i just hope that we can maintain a system where the bad guys go away and the good guys stay out you know yeah yeah it's but, it's it's tough it's tough you know, you know you just can't tell you know a lot of times so that's going to be a tough one because it might be so too can, late you know where can people find you at uh, body language ta- body language tactics.com that little where is it right there there it that's is. where yeah so that's where you can get a hold of me and you can see that that's that's like the number one online body language course my partner greg hartley and i put that together and so if you need anything about me that's where you go yeah. awesome well thank so. you so much for coming on hang tight for a second when i turn off the the this the cast and we'll keep talking yeah, after it's uh, after it's live but thank you so much for coming on uh we i definitely love to stay in touch with you and um uh, i appreciate your time yeah man anytime you want me on let me know i'll come back and i'll hook you up okay. with some of these other guys too from our, yeah. our thing they'd love to come on that's what i so. like to hear man all right hang tight okay <laughs>